history through a house. A look at British history through the doors of Longlands. Giving you the facts, not just in the history books. With your host, Isadora Martin Dye. Welcome to History Through a House. I am your host, Isadora Martin Dye, and in the room with me, you have my husband, Ben. Hello, I'm Ben. And Adam, our cousin. What's up, nerds? All right, so History Through a House. I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> so, History Through a House. We talk about the history of Britain through the lens of the house that we have bought and we are working to renovate. We look at how basically this site would have developed and looked at various points in British history. We are still early in the whole thing right now being just in the late Bronze Age is what we're going to talk about today. But it's still getting really exciting. We've uh, just got 3,000 followers on our Instagram, which is so cool. Um, I think we should do a giveaway. Oh, yeah. I think I think if we get to 5,000 Instagram followers, okay, we should do a giveaway. Of... We should mail somebody a rock. We should mail them that piece of ironwork. No, that's and then they pay shipping. No. <laughs> All right, I think what we should do is we should we should take one of the rocks out of the cob wall because they're already kind of falling out, and send them a really old rock they can't find anywhere else in the world except Devon. A Devon rock. That's pretty cool. Well, I am finding out that a lot of our listeners for it are from America. Okay. So that's quite a lot of shipping to even send a rock it's that way. It's worth it. There are, they, they like us, and we like them back. And they have to pay shipping. This is... <laughs> <laughs> so we've actually been really excited to start seeing some reviews coming in, which has been really, really cool. Um, my and favorite of them is... Yeah. We can send them a picture of the house signed by the house. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, uh, my favorite review so far is a prime example of what just happened from a amazing person in Canada whose review says, "Great concept, but the two male hosts interrupt and talk over Isadora way too much. I am surprised she didn't screen at them to stop within the first fifteen minutes." It's because you live with us, gentlemen. I just hope you take that note. Okay. Everyone else seems to. Uh, she still gave us fast starts. I like the one by Bean Sprout, nineteen eighty seven. Thank you, Bean Sprout. Funny idiots, but I learned something. <laughs> Pretty much says it all. Thank you. Um, yes, we've had a. We've we're really excited. It's fun yeah. to see that people are listening and learning and really kind of getting into British history a little bit, which obviously is the point of it. Yeah. Sorry, but, but Bean Sprout, we're we've learned some stuff too. <laughs> Because Brits say learnt versus learned um, in America. I did not know that. That L E A R N T. That's a that's an English thing. Yeah. I thought that was a dumb southerner thing. Nope. It's an English thing. Interesting. It's actually an we intelligent thing. Southerners. That's really cool. All right, what's been going on at Longlands this week? I went for a walk today. <laughs> Corona's been on everybody's mind. Yeah. Slowing stuff supposed, down. I think we're not supposed to say the seaward. I think like people are. Well, that's on YouTube. I don't know if Spotify is doing the same thing. Oh, really? I'm yeah, on sure. YouTube, if you like, they're taking out videos where yeah. people are saying the C word because they don't want false information. Oh, we're not giving any information. No, but it's been. Other than the fact that we still can't get planning permission, that Southwest Water can't come out and do the thing. And I understand, in grand scheme of things, none of this really matters. This is not me complaining because I absolutely think we should all stay home and stay safe and keep everyone safe. It's more time to podcast for us. But yeah. it does mean that building is going a little slower. One in like levels of anxiety, I think, on the property have yeah. just sort of risen as on a whole. Yeah. The exciting news is, is that our builder Dave, who is here, and uh, living on site with us, him and his wife have got a long history of being gardeners and gardening and floral work and things like that. So while the building's slowing down, the garden is looking fantastic. Yeah, it is. 
which is really exciting. And we can't wait to see how that develops. I mean, it was never going to be top of our priority while we could build, but that means that it would have probably been three or four years before we got around to really kind of making the garden what it should be. Anyone who hasn't seen our Instagram story, it's on there. Although I don't know if it'll be on there by the time this comes out. You can post it as like an old yeah. around sort of thing. So that's kind of what's been going on here. The puppy's still annoying. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry if there's weird breaks because he's um, but lovable. We do adore him. Um, we have not really seen a lot of people. We're doing a lot of walking. And oh, and Ben started his own podcast on something that he's actually really excited about, which is called The Swingdom. Ben is an avid golf player. And him and his friend Gunnar from the or States. golfer, as we like to call ourselves. <laughs> golf players, fine. Golfers. Him and his friend Gunnar from the States have started a podcast where basically they're if BSing. If you learn absolutely nothing about golf and have fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of a fan cast of uh, golf in England and the States. I think particularly ironic by the fact that no one actually can play golf right now. So that's what's going on in his life. All right. I so you play golf even when you can't play. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. So this week we're going to learn a few different things. It's kind of a bitty episode. Are you ready to learn, kiddos? Bitty episode. Let's learn. No, it's not an itty bitty episode. There's actually quite. There's actually quite a lot of information to get in here. Then why is it bitty? Oh, there goes a puppy. Should we let him in? Because he's only going to bark. Okay, so the reason it's bitty is because I've decided that we are going to skip the middle Bronze Age. That's my favorite part of the Bronze Age. I know. Were they making bronze in the middle? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Canadian lady. (laughs) So the reason we're not talking about the middle Bronze Age is because I want to skip to more interesting stuff later on. And we have a lot more information about what goes on later on. So first-hand accounts. So how long is... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt again. Okay, so sorry sorry to interrupt, but how long are... is is ours the, the the bronze age so the bronze age is going up to about eight nine eight to five hundred bce eight hundred to five hundred no like it we're going to talk a little bit about where it peters out but i just it's want to somewhere... know where the middle like because we talked about the early and we're talking about the late oh like, like 1700 bce okay these periods of time are way longer like when we talk about the victorian era we're going to be talking about like well, that's because, years. Like, yeah, like a few generations. I mean, that's because it's not an age, it's like an era. It's yeah. Like the, you know, the leadership at the time. Yeah. Um, I know. You're so smart. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to kind of, those episodes, well, some of those episodes, we might only cover a year of history. It'll be a lot more in-depth, won't it? Yeah. So these ones are very much, we're just kind of glossing over, so really everyone knows where we're at. All right. So what we're talking about today is going to be the late Bronze Age. And then we are also going to go into the domestication of the horse. Oh, I love horses. You're going to learn a little bit more about I love them. Domesticating them. So, the reason why we're going to go into the domestication of the horse is because in the late Bronze Age is where you actually start to see them getting used in warfare. Um, but obviously, they didn't just like randomly jump on a horse one day <laughs> and use them for warfare. Somebody so, did. Well, I mean, someone did. Like, because this is my theory on it. Good. I'm glad we're going to have your theory before I teach you any real information. Like, people have like this is a this is a dumb theory, so it's probably going to get erased. I'm okay with that. But like people have been like proving their strength for however long. It's really just in like the last 200 years that we've been building weights for them. Like at some point, somebody had to be like, I want to lift that big rock. Yeah, I'm going to start with this smaller rock. Is that like all like the Scottish like Highland Games? Yeah, the Highland yeah, yeah. yeah. Games. Like, like, in order to be a man, you must lift this. You rock. have to, you have to like. Turn this log into a yeah, yeah. I would but like to point out in the most sexist way, boys are stupid. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but the other side of it, like, no, at some point somebody did. Like, there had to be one person who was like, 
that looks like a big old riding thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it. Yeah. yeah. Like my leg can go on this side, my other leg can go on that side. Why? And we'll go, what? Why would they have done that? Because you'd be like you'd be like, I'm this fast, but that goes faster. Is there like any, in the dumb boy way. It would be the dumb boy is way. Is there any evidence that they domesticated them for something other than riding before? We're gonna how about we get Yeah, to yeah, them? that's good. That's a good idea. By domesticating, do you mean like they, they like sat on your windowsill and looked out your window like the cats we have today? <laughs> yes. Good. Um, okay, we're gonna get to gonna get to the domestication yeah, of the horse. Please, yes, uh, but we're gonna finish off the era that we were talking about the last couple of episodes because we've been dealing with the Bronze Age now for like two episodes for like solidly. Too long. So we're gonna get this done. Copper and tin. Okay. Yeah, make bronze. Well done. I've been listening. The reason we're skipping the Middle Age is because basically it's how they got to the Late Age. So in the Early Age Bronze Age, remember we talked about they were starting to form communities, but communities weren't really a thing. They were starting to make bronze, but there, and, and we talked a little bit about the extent of trade. Mm. Well, by the time we get to the Late Bronze Age, you've actually got like societies. And when I say that, I mean, you have ruling elites, mm -hmm. you have people that are skilled in making bronze, so they earn more money. You have people that are trading bronze, so they earn more money. You actually have, for the first time, a, a an economy. Mm. Because before that, there really wasn't an economy. You made food, you make, got bronze so you could kill the cow that you had, but there was no real trade in the economy. Mm -hmm. Whereas by the time you get to late bronze age, you've got real communities, real economies. I don't believe that, because at some point, like, how do you get a cow? You'd like, you gotta trade for a cow at some point. Or you or you just kind of yank it off the land. Because I think they were just pulling the raw cattle off the land. Remember the Nazi oh, really? cows? Yeah, no, I remember yeah, the Nazi like, cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they were just penning them up. They were also penning up and eating horses, but Let's we will fair, get to that. If I lived back then, I was like, wait a second. You'd be way too big to be living back then. Like, like there's a fence here. I obviously can't get through or over this fence. I might as well just stay. <laughs> 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 says the explorer Ben. Um, <laughs> that's for cows and horses. That's how you do it. Like, yeah. 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 Like, they're, oh. they're, they're too silly to know that they can jump over the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. This, the, I, oh, that, that piece of wood is way too, way too. <laughs> yeah. oh. That's what always terrified me about your cows in Virginia was like they were all three big enough to easily just walk crunch. through the fences that you had. Yeah. But they wouldn't. No. Because they were just like, this fence too big. Yeah. You're like, okay. I don't know if it's like, is it this fence is too big or is it like this fence and is in the way or like keeps the bad things out? That's actually what it's okay. much more. If you look at horses, it's much more to do with the idea of they feel safe in a pasture mm. because they feel protected and it's human space and they feel protected by human. Because horses naturally are a prey animal. They're big. So people oh. always think of them as being a bit scary. But if you think of horses, cows, sheep, they just be like deer. They are prey. Yeah. Yeah. They're deer. They get taken down by the cats, by the dogs, yeah. by the, you know. So naturally, yeah. these aren't animals that are looking for adventure. Yeah, they're, they're looking for safety. Um, like naturally omnivorous, so they're not no. going to be like hunting other animals. No, they? they're, they're about, chasing them. They will break out. Okay, sorry. Now, we're, but we're still on domestication. We're going back to the. Bronze. We will yeah. go back to domestication. Okay, let's talk about Grim's Pound. We're getting right into Devon here. Yeah, um, we're I've been there. We have been there. What's it called? Grim's Pound, which Grimm's is Pound. the worst name for anything ever. Grimm's Pound. I kind of like it. It's a cool place. It kind of slaps. Yeah. I'll take you up there. But it is, um, we're getting right into Devon history, which means that we're going to talk about a site that we've been out to. It's on the moor. And it's a really good example of how people were living socially at this time of right. life. Mm -hmm. The site was first settled in 1300 BCE, but it was lived in for a long time, they reckon. So we're taking, we're talking, it was first settled in the middle 
ish Bronze Age and was lived in until late Bronze Age. It's 24 circle huts, which they think there might be more because they haven't done a recent excavation of it. It's, I know it's hard to do archaeological surveys and research in Darkborn. Yes. Because so much of it is owned by the Prince, prince of Wales. By, yeah, by the Prince of Wales, and then such a small part of it is owned by the, the public. And because it's so hard to do anything in a national park, the last thing people want is to have their lives entirely disrupted. And here, it's you'd have to you have to pay for that stuff on your own. Yeah. So if, if even if they find anything, and the, the the public sector decides that they want to excavate on your property to do archaeological research, it disrupts your life, but mm. it also costs you as a private landowner. Mm. Yeah. So the mm. last yeah. excavation there was actually in the late eighteen hundreds at Grimsfound. It Which has crazy a it's massive. Like, it's right there. Yeah, like, people, it, like you walk through, like you walk through there any day. It's not like. Oh yeah, it's, hmm. it's a really crazy site. So it has a massive granite wall around it. It's pretty sh- low now, but it, they reckon at one point it was one point seven meters tall. Massive granite wall um, with around yeah. yeah roundhouses with average diameters of three point five meters. Each were built with a yeah. double ring of gla- granite slabs with a rubber, uh, rubble like, infill. It's not like which, little stones. I mean, they're like they're they're probably slabs. like yeah, like two hundred, five hundred pound slabs. Uh, but what's really cool about it when you go out there is you actually get to walk through the doorways of these huts yeah. and down into them, and you get to see the fire pit, which was in the middle of the house, and you get to really experience like. So it could be a really cool thing. Like if you wanted to go camping across the moors mm. to go and sleep in one of these circle huts. Uh, it's totally ghost haunted. It's no, amazing. You wouldn't. I mean, like they're not full. They're only about like eighteen inches high. Mm-hmm. But like you'd be able to set your tent up in one easy. How far? How, like how? It's close to like a village, like another village. Yeah, it's that's... actually fairly in the middle of nowhere, Grimms Town, right? Wasn't it? No, when we went out there. So. I mean, well, we were in a car. It was it near all the... of seven minutes. To get it was there. near two bridges. Yeah. Okay, so the Grimm's Pound huts, um, in the center of each hut is a hearth, which I was telling you about is still evident today. Um, and they have done some research on what was in the hearth. They found oak, willow, and peat. Uh, there were cooking holes for granite pot boilers, pieces of stone heated in the fire, and then dropped into pots of water sunk into the ground. Pottery of the time not being fireproof. We are a resilient group of people. We are. (laughs) So there's lots of evidence of human activity there. Pottery, pot boilers. The more organic stuff didn't survive there. So woods, textiles, anything kind of that showed you a bit more like that didn't survive because as we've already established, Dartmoor has really acidic soil and it has a tendency of eating away at more organic history. To give you an idea of what life was like at that point, we're going to move to a, a buildings that have been discovered recently in East Anglia, which I don't know that you guys will remember, but if you think way back to the first episode, I told you that East Anglia was a really fertile part of England. Mm -hmm. And as the glaciers retreated, it became a very rich place to farm. Recently, in one of the riverbeds, they found a collection of huts. There's only about five of them. So it's a smaller compound than Grimm's Pound. But the way that the textiles and things were preserved was just like beyond. And they realized that people were making a fine linen thread. And so generally what, what's coming out of this is a pretty cultured people. Mm. They were creating fine linen textiles. They were rooting out of well-made pots. They had an idea of status. They were buying jewelry. They were trading. Then there became a period of dark ages. And this is like one of those weird things that happened. When you think about these periods, we talk about these periods rolling into each other. Like it sounds like the Stone Age automatically then became copper, which automatically became bronze, which mm-hmm. automatically became iron. But actually there's a weird part of maybe three or four hundred years of history there where there's almost no evidence of what was going on. So there's a lot of kind of chat about why. 
mainly it seems to me that and I don't really understand this. Some people put forward a theory of like economic hardship. Some people put forward a theory of climate change, of peasants revolting. But basically, the whole bit of it seems to boil down to that climate started to change. So crops became much scarcer. So the elites kept all the food. The peasants didn't have enough. Colder, hotter? Uh, colder, wetter. Colder, wetter, okay. So they revolted and started basically living a more independent lifestyle. We're talking the very early beginnings of like serfdom here. They had crops, they had farms. And the Bronze Age actually started declining at this point, at which point we started going into what's called the Iron Age. And the Iron Age, we're going to talk a little bit about this next week, was when the Celts started coming over. We had so much more Celtic tracks. We're going to... Oh, quickly. The the the, the huts they found in Anglia. Yeah, Anglia. They were actually raised above a river on stilts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and made of wicker. Is there, uh, Oh. Was there evidence that there was more of them originally, but they just sort of... They only found five? They only found five? I don't know. I Not that I could figure out. Mm. There seemed to be a smaller community. I will say the other thing that's important to remember about Grimstown, and this is... I, they talk about it a lot, but I don't know how much credence to give it, is that in the, archaeolo- in the archaeological investigation, in, I think it was 1887 or something around then, they actually rebuilt it. And like they did, like the people living there rebuilt it. Like the archaeologists rebuilt oh. it in the eighteen Whatever. late eighteen hundreds. The archaeologists rebuilt it, and I, I don't understand. Everyone's really pissed about this. Yeah, is that allowed? To, am I allowed to say that? That's up to you. Is pissed. Of, um, no. Are they drunk or are they angry? Angry. Depending on where you're from, it's just different. Okay, they were really <laughs> angry about this. Yeah. The archaeologists were very drunk. Um, <laughs> and they decided to I've rebuild it. Team. <laughs> so they actually put together stones and things like that to rebuild walls and things that, where they felt like it would have been before. Been so this is why I'm kind of... Can't understand why anyone's too mad about it. I don't think they were incorrect. Oh. There's no evidence that they put it back together wrong. Mm. Like it wasn't like they went and brought stones in. Right. They just sort of were like... Oh, like this, this role. It's a bit like um, our garden, like our ra- that raised bit of our garden, where it's like you can tell where the stones came out of. Yeah. Because they're just sort of like falling out of a hole. Mm. They're lying there. Just sort of like, okay, well, I guess we'll put this rock back in this hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people were like, from what I understand, what Isidore was mentioned earlier, is like people were more pissed that like they disrupted the natural archaeological site. Than they were like with the. Let's leave no trace, son. You just gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. respect it. Yeah. Well, it's part of that thing of why they don't. Everyone's always waiting for technology to get better. Oh, yeah. So every archaeologist is like, well, I'll do this a little bit, but maybe when technology is better, they can do it better so we won't disturb it too mm-hmm. much. At a certain point, though, you're just. You're not making. Like, nothing's going on there. I. Yeah. Like, kind at, of. At a certain indeed. Point, like, technology isn't advancing quickly enough to. No, and then also sites get forgotten. I mean, technology's yeah. advanced horrifically or amazingly in the last 150 years since Grimm's Pound was last investigated. Mm-hmm. And yet, as far as I can tell, no one's bothered to go back. Yeah. So, And also last week when we talked about Stonehenge, yeah. we also talked about how in the 1950s they rebuilt Stonehenge mm-hmm. with rods and bars and concrete. And you don't see people getting up in arms about that in the same mm. way. So I'm not really sure what the... I think they should. I think there are enough burial mounds around Stonehenge to undig, to like to dig one up every 10 years for like the next 150 years. I, I, see how technology... It's like, I mean, you, you, there is, there's enough technology to 
do like a 3D X-ray rendering. If we can do DNA tests on a corpse that's been buried, that's been like in an ice cube for for, two hundred thousand years, yeah, we should be we should feel fairly comfortable to move on with this sort of stuff. It's a really I. Honestly, I'm not an expert. No, here's the thing. My degree was in history, not archaeology. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about now is stuff that really I, I didn't have much to do with. The, pretty much the earliest we talked about in my degree was uh, the church and the rise of the church, which is quite a lot later than no, this. I, just, I mean, I just think like archaeologists are like waiting to be like, oh, like we found a hair yeah. on this body from 200,000 years ago. Like, let's do a DNA test on the entire strand and see what she ate for, like, the three months that that hair was growing. Yeah. And it's like, is technology ever going to be that good? Then you're going to, like, take the keratin from the hair and be like, this person ate this. For, I don't like, know, because uh, last uh, week or two weeks ago, we talked about them taking the isotopes from uh, a man to find out that he grew up in Switzerland, Sweden. You got me all confused on that Switzerland, one. Switzerland. 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 Yeah. Swiss, yeah. I said Sweden. Like mm-hmm. a chocolate or like a dum-dum. <laughs> so... Anyway, so that was Grimm's Pound. And, and I mean, a lot, there's not a ton of evidence from this period. Mm. I explained to Adam right before we started this that I was really trying to look for information that I could give you guys on religion at that point. And if anyone knows more than, well, me, which is nothing about the religion at this point. Druids. Or more than us, which is less than nothing. Well, so the thing about the Druids is, and we looked in, I looked into this when we were investigating Stonehenge, really the Druids are a little later than this. Mm-hmm. We're talking still pre-written history. We understand roughly what they were thinking. They were starting to cremate people at this point. Um, Druids or the, the Bronze Age The Bronze people? Age people were starting to cremate people at this point. They were still building barrows. We understood a little bit about Stonehenge being aligned with the sun and the moon. But really... Like, it's a calendar. It's like, well... Religion wasn't... I don't know much well, about religion. That, like, it wasn't until quite recently that people... It's like, well, it doesn't sound like places were established well enough to, to have a... You know what I mean? Like, it sort of it sort of feels like every time, like, a civilization... Like, that sort of comes a bit later. So, I mean, I will say that there was a lot of religion going on elsewhere in the world. Hmm. That's just because England is uncultured. <laughs> Mesopotamia <laughs> had... That's true, yeah. Mesopotamia had religion. Egypt had religion. Yeah. There was a lot of religion, other religion going Yay, on in the world. Yeah, cats. Yeah, I kind of like their religion. And, dogs do. Um, cool they didn't worship them quite in the same what way. that this cat. I have a cat on my lap right now, and he really thinks he deserves to be worshipped. Anyway, so that's kind of where I'm at with the late Bronze Age. We're going to go into a lot more stuff. Every single era that we get closer to the Romans and written history, I'm going to talk about now kind of some written history. Quickly, before, just very, very quickly. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Uh, To go back to the East Anglia. Yeah. Why was that preserved so much better? I think because it was preserved in a peat. Okay, so it's bo- okay, okay. A boggy area versus an acidic area. Yeah, I remember you saying that because of the... The glaciers, Anglia had like a much boggier. Yeah. And a much more fertile climate. But I guess that means less acidic, which means it eats way less. I don't know. They seem to be very surprised that as much information remained at this point. It sounds like there was quite a bit there to find. Yeah. And and like I said, that they could figure out that the places were built of wicker. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible that would stick around. Because wicked naturally, you would think would rot pretty quickly I mean, if anyone, like the, anyone's who had garden furniture. Like the front porch. It's like every summer you have to get new furniture. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the other thing from a sociological standpoint that people were mentioning at this point, which is kings and queens. Obviously, the hi- history of Britain is the history of royalty mm. generally, yeah. and there is a certain amount of 
royals that when it comes to what we're talking about in Devon, we're just going to skip over? I'm just letting you know I'm related to English royalty. So is every American. I'm just saying, you're welcome. Which royal? Uh, the wife of Henry the seventh or eighth. There was a few of those. Yeah, which, yeah. which wife? <laughs> Anne of Burgundy. Nope, not one of those. Okay. And of... How about you do some research Magenta. and tell us it when you get to that Anne point. of Topaz. And not, Anne of... Not Anne Rowlin. Not Anne Boylan. I don't know. Anne of Cleves? No. It's a book about her. My mom okay. made me read that book. Okay. It was, it was, it was, it was historical fiction, so it wasn't very accurate. Oh my god. <laughs> um, because we're cousins, you're related to that person, too. Okay, so... Genetic uh, jackpot. <laughs> We're going to talk about Joffrey or Jeffrey. I don't know which way they would, he would have liked to pronounce. This of is not a Game of Thrones podcast. Monmouth. Ooh, I am also from Monmouth. The reason why he's ooing is because Ben grew up in a town called Monmouth. Grew up in a, the county of Monmouth. The county of Monmouth. So but that was this in New is Jersey, <laughs> a, and this is a very different Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Jeffrey. I like the word Joffrey more. Spell G E O F like the way that yes, it was, it was oh, Jeffrey. Yeah. Joffrey yeah. is like J O. It's yeah. dumb. Okay, so this is Jeffrey. <laughs> it's Jeffrey. Yeah. He wrote a pseudo historical account called Historia Regum Britannia. Which, Historia Rage? Uh, Regum. Basically, Kings oh. and Queens of Britain. Mm. I thought you said Rage. I was like, that's this podcast. Angry and yell about history. No, so he wrote about the Kings and Queens of England. Now, he was writing post the eras that he was writing about. So it's very hard to know, in fact, he was right or not. What he was talking about. <laughs> but we're going to go for right now. We're going to tell you a couple of stories about the earliest kings and queens of England. So we're just not sure if this is fiction or non-fiction. Yes. I think, it's, I think it knows way, way earlier than whatever book Sue made him read. Right. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about the first warrior queen. And the reason why we're going to talk about the first warrior queen is because warrior queens are actually a really big thing in England. They come back time and time again in the era, era that we're starting to talk about. And also because when we get to it, Queen Elizabeth was obviously um, considered a warrior queen, even though she never went into battle. The first queen that would be considered a warrior queen is Queen Gwendolyn. And if you can't tell from if you can't tell from her name, it's not King Arthur's wife. But this guy is also one of the guys that perpetuated, I think, the Arthurian legend. So this is why I say you can take what I'm about to tell you with a pinch of historical salt. I didn't really believe until I moved to England, but there are just like swords and stones everywhere. I know. Like, we have one in our backyard. Yeah, you just like walk down a footpath. I could just like a sword it. and a stone. Every three meters. We do have an issue. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Castles I mean, it's and not swords like, and it's stones. Like, yes, it's, they're really hard to pull out. But what they don't tell you is that the swords are still sharp. You can still like slice bread on them for your lunch, like if you just don't happen to have a knife for your picnic. But it's only polite that you put the sword back in the stone when you're done with Obviously. your picnic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just take these things. No, 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 you don't take them out of the stone. You leave them in the stone. You just sort of like rub the bread on it until you cut it <laughs> So Jeez. Gwendolyn was the one of the daughters of Corneus, king of Cornwall. Weird, like Corneus. Yeah. I don't know how they would have called I thought Adam was the corniest. Um, <laughs> he was she was married to King Brutus' eldest son. But he divorced her in favor of his Germanic mistress. As you would. Who I'm not even going to try and pronounce these guys' names. His Ooh, name was Lucrinius, and her name was Estrildilus. Estrildilus? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're close. Sure. Yeah. Gwendolyn then fed to Cornwall to live with her King of Cornwall father for a few years, where she built up a huge army, waged war against her ex-husband. Of seven people who was now king of the rest of the bits of England that were England at that point, and killed him near the River Sour. 
Yep, she killed him. River salad? Yeah, so she's so badass, which is why we had to talk, which is why we have to talk about, we're going to talk about really two badass women in this episode. Gwendolyn then assumed his throne and ruled independently. Um, She also married his wife. Well, this is where she gets a little bit less cool. Um, She unfortunately has her mistress and her daughter drowned in the River Seven. Uh, that's not no. That's not good. Where's the river seven? I've heard that. Oh. I thought you said seven. Seven. S e v e r n. And uh, she managed to reign peacefully for fifteen years, and then she abdicated in honor of her son and lived out the remainder of her life in Cornwall. Thank you, Wikipedia. Mm, that's cool. For a quick, concise. Uh, the thing is, when you're talking about this, it doesn't matter if it's historically accurate. There is no historically accurate. No, sorry. Yeah, this, this was some random guy writing yeah, about stuff. But I still think that she's pretty badass and everyone should aim to be a bit more like Queen Gwendolyn. Maybe don't drown your ex-husband's mm-hmm. wives. Wife. Is this before or after okay. the Peverils? Way before. This is, like, she's one of the first people in, okay. first queens or so whatever. So when was the cloak of, like, the invisibility cloak invented? Um, so that would have going to come a little bit later in okay. the medieval area. That was medieval. I yeah, think that's medieval. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the early Hogwarts was medieval. I think it is as well. If you look at the architecture. Oh, okay. Of I'm... Hogwarts. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we think, will I do a historical, historical, Hogwarts. historical Hogwarts episode. Don't you, don't you tempt me. Okay. I might actually study for that one. Okay. Yeah, we should do a quiz at the end of this season and see how well we do. <laughs> over no. all the stuff that we've gone over. All right. So First now, now we're going to talk about the next uh, king of note in this period. Is there and another queen? Another warrior queen? We're going to get to the warrior queen, right. but we're going to talk about the king. And the reason why he's of note is because you guys did not realize, but you are going to get your daily dose of Shakespeare in today. Because we're going to talk about King I love Lear. Shakespeare. I'm very excited about this. King Lear, that's the name of a play. Yes! Written by Shakespeare. And we're going to no. talk. Me and Bill, we go back a long way. And we're going to talk about King Lear. Mainly because he has another badass story. Um, like, like, that's not the, that's not the play, or? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I've never actually read the play. I think it's pretty similar. But I'm gonna go with Jeffrey of Monmouth's version, not Shakespeare's version, yeah, because yeah. you know Shakespeare. We who knows what he was talking about. Can't trust anything he said. <laughs> Ghostwriter. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Wasn't Shakespeare Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. No, it wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow. She was pretending to be a man so she could be in a play. Shakespeare was Ralph Fiennes. Oh, okay. I've never mm. seen that movie. Oh, it's no, a good movie. Uh, which one is that? Much Ado about Shakespeare and Love. Shakespeare and Love. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds really lame. <laughs> oh, no, it's really good, and he's really sexy. All right. I'm just saying, my favorite Shakespeare movie is... Romeo plus Juliet. She's the man. <laughs> okay. Well, nice little bit Bynes. of Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Is that a Shakespeare? That's it's based night. on 12 Nights. Oh, is it? Night. Yeah. Oh. Do you remember O with Josh Hartnett? That was okay. I've the other that. one, the other one is um, Ten Things I Hate About You." Oh, now that's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. That's Taming my favorite. Tell me the truth. Ten Things I Hate About You" is going to be one of the. Basing all of these. Rom- there was like a nineties thing that they just well, did. Not only that, but like, there's. I mean, like the the Lion King is Hamlet. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Um, no, no, but there's like there's this theory that basically there's only. Four. There's, there's like there's eleven. A, there's like eleven, 11 stories. Yeah, there's yeah. only eleven stories, and Shakespeare told all of them, and everything else just a rip off. Hmm. I believe it. Every movie except for the Lake House. Well, the Lake House is an original. Jeffrey what? of Monmouth <laughs> was telling about? these. He loves the Lake House. Jeffrey of Monmouth was uh, having telling these stories long before Shakespeare, and here is King Lear's story. He is part of the dynasty of Brutus of Britain. 
which was the same guy that was... He was a big bad. He was the father-in-law of Gwendolyn. Have you heard the word brutal? Yeah. It's named after him. Probably. Okay. He was the Gwendolyn's father-in-law. That's what I meant. And he succeeded to the throne after his father died while trying to fly with artificial wings. Oh, that happened to me twice. They just stole the Icarus story. How? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. How are these wings artificial? I don't know any more about it. They're I'm literally ready, ready no, from No, no, but I'm saying, like, they, they, they may have been official wings. They just may not have been working. Artificial? Yeah. Like, do airplanes have artificial wings Why or those you... wings? No, they're, art- they're artificial. So only birds have wings. Yes. Everything else is an artificial wing. So he had an artificial wing that didn't work, because I'm assuming because he died. So because that he jumped Leah off could... the tower and just plunged straight to the ground. I assume that's how it went. Why didn't um, he have peasants try it first? <laughs> he probably didn't. They probably all died. <laughs> Leah, Leah was... <laughs> he just couldn't learn. Yeah. He was king. Divine right, yeah, exactly. right? Darn exactly. peasants aren't doing it right. Let me show you. God will protect me. God will yeah. protect me. I'm born to rule. Okay, so he was the longest reigning of Jeffrey's maybe fictitious kings. Uh, he reigned for 60 years um, wow, and he time. was apparently the founder of Leicester in England. What's that? Uh, city. Oh. Leicester City, have you heard they of They won that? the Premier League like three or four years ago. That means a lot to me. Okay. That's it, that's all I know. Okay. <laughs> he had three daughters. Two he had three daughters. Okay. Okay. Reagan. Reagan. Hey, Reagan. Gone. Gone. Gone Errol E? Gone no, nope, I'm not gonna say that word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh Errol? Gone Errol? That sounds great. Beautiful name. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> name. I'm sure she was very I'm lovely. Gonna, I'm gonna I go can't say, say my daughter, I'm gonna say Gone Okay. Uh Reagan and then Cordelia. Yeah, that's a good one. That uh, works. Right. Uh, Reagan and Cordelia. Perfect. I just feel really bad for Gonero. She the As he nears his death. Middle child. As he nears his death, he divided his kingdom among them. Gonorrhea and Reagan flattered <laughs> their father. <laughs> flattered their father. And on the advice of Leah's nobles, they were married off to the Duke of Albany and Cornwall. Cordelia, despite being her father's favorite, refused to Obviously, flatter the king. Refused to flatter the king, feeling... He should not need to make special assurances of her love and was given no land to rule. So I just want to let you, I just want to, pre- I'm just glad that you flattered your father by marrying me. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. He's very flattered too. Yeah. So what, basically where we are right now is he's decided to give up his throne. Apparently retiring was an option at this point. <laughs> give up his throne and split it between two of three of his daughters. Yeah. One he left out because she didn't kiss us enough. This is, yeah, Shakespeare ripped this guy off. Yes. Sounds like my whole family. Okay. So then she gets married to the king of the Franks. Cordelia does. Cordelia does. And even though he doesn't pay a dowry, she runs off to marry the king of the Franks. Uh, Then he gave his kingdom to his ugly stepsisters, which is just how I imagine that she's Cinderella and these two are the ugly ugly stepsisters. Instead... His son-in-laws rebelled and decided to take the whole of the kingdom off him. He only gave them a bit before he died, and they wanted all of it before he died. So they rebelled and tried to kill him. Both of his sons. What? Tried to kill him, yes. He ran away and ran to Cordelia and said, look, real sorry. Should have given you everything. Should have given you everything. He was made king of France. What? I don't understand that part (laughs) of the equation. I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away right now. <laughs> See what happens. Anyway. Anybody wants to make me king. So him and Cordelia okay got tight again. She gave him a whole load of soldiers. 
and her, her husband, and Leah invaded Britain, successfully overthrew his other daughters and son-in-laws. He ruled for another three years, and then he died. Cordelia succeeded him um, and took over all of it. Can I inter- can I interrupt just briefly? No, I'll say end of the story. You're not interrupting. Okay, can I? Sorry. Okay, then I want to um, question. Yes. Two very important questions. Yes. How much land did King Brutus... Yes. How much land did he have? I was trying to figure that out. It seems like pretty much what you would consider the southern part of England. So, like, London down? No, I'm thinking, like, York down. Okay. Well, Leicester's higher. Oh, yeah, Leicester, so, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm then, thinking, like, almost then, what you consider England now. Like, I, this, is the, this is the part that, as a modern American man... Yeah. ...who is not for war and would never join the military... I have a hard time understanding this concept of sort of like war tribes. Yeah, that they like that these people very comfortably jump into. They had to fight or die. Yeah, yeah, no, like more often than not, they. So that's like I, I don't because I'm a very modern American, like a very modern American. I don't. yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that. But I think because of that, like I also then don't understand the hierarchy of like this serfdom institution. No, it's kind of weird. So it's like, you're a warrior, we're, like, we're going to take... You know what I mean? It's like, I've seen Downton... Like, even Downton Abbey, I find hard to understand. So... Because, like, I'm like, you own all this land, and they pay you by farming for you? Okay, so actually, the one to think about would be more Game of Thrones. Okay. Which, obviously, like, let's be clear, I'm not suggesting that Game of Thrones is historically accurate in any way. But actually, the society that they've based it on... You mean those dragons are real? ...is medieval England, which Yeah, yeah. Is no, I understand that. ...a lot later than what we're talking about now, but certainly the patterns well, were... But they never go into, like, the concept of... Like, they never... It's always like, these people have money, and then these people don't, and then these people fight, and these people farm, and these people yeah. are traders, and, the, and they have these own little barter economies outside of Winterfell, for lack of a better yeah. term. But they never really explain how, like, the economy outside of Winterfell falls into the economy of Winterfell. Yeah, so they pay taxes to the lord of the manor. Because they basically... Because they lived on his Because land. usually a lot of the time they'd live on his land. Because he would he would own the yeah. south the southern part of England. Yes. So, so like, he would own because that's the thing he like, would own Devon. But if you think like of royals now, like they own like they make their money now just basically on tourism. No, they make a, most of their money comes on renting land. Oh really? Yeah, they're still the largest landholder in England. Yeah, no, I, but I always thought like they were the largest landowners because they basically had these castles with massive amounts of. No, property. they own like so. Half of the people that live on Dartmoor live in houses that are owned by the Duchy of Cornwall. And they so and they, that's Prince Charles, basically. And they rent from him. Yeah. Like, so at the, at the end of every five years, they get a contract signed by the Prince of Wales. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. You get to keep those contracts and frame them and be like... I don't know that he personally them. signs them. What? But, stamp. Um, from the office. <laughs> but the point being <laughs> that, yes, true, pretty yeah. much. And, yeah. and we will certainly, if it's interesting to you, I will do my research and I will look in how war bands were formed, how taxes are paid, and how serfdom was done. As but Americans, it's a total opposite. It's like your 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 house is your castle, yeah. your your quarter acre of land in the suburbs of a city mm-hmm. is like you know what I mean. It's like this is mine. I'll pay state taxes on it, but I won't. Yeah. No point like this. Like was serfdom ever explained to us? In school, because it was never part of like the I mean, American, probably. But I would have been. And I'm bored. And well, no, bored. like so, like Mesopotamia and serfdom. That's when it was like explained to me. I don't remember Mesopotamia. 
comes Tyrannus Wolf. Mesopotamia! We did this last week. Yeah, I know we did. I'm sorry. But, like, so that's what it was explained to me. Mm. But by the time you get to, like, American history, which is two-thirds or even three-quarters of the history we learn, mm-hmm. like, the world history is World War One, World War Two. So, let's be honest. Serfdom wasn't really that different from slavery. Yeah, it couldn't have been. Okay. That, I mean, at the yeah, end of yeah, the yeah. day, that's what it boiled down to. But when we go to, like, there was an idea to, of... Yeah. I mean, I guess in the best... We lived, like, we lived in Virginia. Yes. And we got to go to historical houses that mm-hmm. had slave cottages. Yes. Like, our place in Virginia... Yeah. ...had slave rooms. Yeah. So we know the size of slave rooms. Yeah. And we understand that. I always assume that, like, when you watch, like, Braveheart, like, these people had, like, entire huts. Yeah, themselves. they had entire farms. Were they paying, like, 95%? It's of, called a tithe, and yes, they had they to pay. Like, and it was like, all the food. It, it wasn't just money. It was like, they were, like, do- donating. Okay, so yeah, we're getting... That's yeah. what I'm saying. It wasn't, like, they okay. basically, yeah. Let's, okay, so let's jump ahead, right? Sorry. Okay, we're jump. No, we're going to jump ahead real quick to explain this. So think about it. You have a castle on top of a hill. Yeah. Okay? No, it's like a pyramid scheme. Outside, like a fruit and veg pyramid scheme. Outside <laughs> of the castle, you're going to have a castle walls. Okay, yeah. inside that is going to be the garrison, the soldiers, mm-hmm. the people, That's the keep. The keep. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The people that work directly for the people That's in the castle. Winterfell. Yeah. Quotation. Now those people don't have farms. They don't have a way of eating. Mm-hmm. The people in the castle don't have a farm. They don't have but a way of eating. They get paid by the the owner of the keep. Yes. So what happens is, is outside those castle walls, mm-hmm. all those farms are also owned by the owner of the keep, by the yeah. castle. They make crops, and they have to then donate, usually 90% of the crops that they yeah. make goes into the castle walls to mm-hmm. feed those people. But if, if at any point, like, the farms are attacked, they can find refuge and safety in, in the, the keep. keep. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> and, and and outside of that, like, the, 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 the owner of the keep the would also... Would also pro- would also provide at times doctors and churches and yeah. sometimes education. I will say that this is me giving the owner of the castle a lot, a lot of credit because sometimes they would just take the eldest daughter and run away with her and rape her. We will get into this certainly with medieval law. I mean, we are jumping ahead and we will get there. But the I point like of the matter is, I'm this like, is the precursor I'm to that. The average American when it comes to historical education, Probably. I'm below that. <clears throat> But, okay. but this is. <laughs> but the point is, anything. is that this stuff that you're talking about, you're jumping ahead, but it was founded here. Okay. Because there's this weird blip in British history, which is the Romans, yeah. which we will get into and talk about. The Romans are so cool, but they are. It's really weird. It's a whole weird blip. So what we're talking about is, and probably in the next couple of episodes, we're going to get right up to the Romans. Then it's like the country goes crazy for like however long, and then we go back to exactly where we were. At the yeah, point we're talking thing, like, about imagine, now, and we evolve again. Imagine from that. somebody like showed up and was like, "This is how teleportation works. This is how you cure cancer. This is how you cure AIDS. This is how you live for two hundred years." And then we bomb ourselves into the ground. No, no, no. And then like, and then whoever like teaches us that like leaves, and t- over the next fifty years, we forget all of it. Mm-hmm. And then for five hundred years or a thousand, no, I'm sorry, for fifty, it takes us another fifteen hundred years to, to figure that there. husk out all by ourselves. Yeah, like so that's Rome is a yeah. weird blip for England. Yeah. Okay. Indoor heating, toilets, baths, all this stuff. And then it was like, gone. It's, but that's Rome. And we got to get there. I love Rome. I know. I love Roman history in England. I don't necessarily love Rome. Okay, so we're going to talk about domestication of the horse. 
And the reason oh, right. for that... <laughs> no! The reason for that is because horses actually play a huge part in history over the next... How do horses say hello? How do horses say hey! hello? Hey! <laughs> um, oh, that's how horses that says they say hello. No. So yeah, they, they say play hey. a... They play a huge part of history, um, and they make travel possible, war possible. And they play a huge part in history all the way up till World War One. They make mounted games possible. They do. Um, all the way up until World War One, we're talking about what horses are going to be a huge part. So it's probably a really good idea to just quickly address how we got from wherever we are there to where we are now, which is where horses are starting to be domesticated. And I say that now as in like late Bronze Age, not now as in now, now, not now as in twenty twenty. Okay. We're going to talk about firstly the Uffington White Horse. Now, have you guys seen the big white horse carved into the. There's a bunch of them. Okay. Into the what? Into the hills in chalk. No. So, in England, if you're driving around England, you'll often see in the side of hills carvings, huge, I mean, huge, huge carvings of horses. So, like, we from up here, imagine walking down the footpath all the way down to that road. Mm And then imagine looking back up and seeing, like, a 40-meter-tall horse by 60-meter-tall horse made, carved Wait, into... Wait, I'm going to have to show you a picture because it's just going to be like too It's, like, carved hard. into the ground. And people still go out there with, like, weed whackers and things and trimmers and, like, make sure it stays clean. But three or 4,000 years ago is when people basically started digging and carving up the land so that it, it looks, looks like... It looks like this. Oh. No, those are the good ones. There's... Well, this is the Uffington one. This oh, is the okay. one we're talking about. I was going to say, because there's one on the... On when we go back up to London from here, we it's drive this past one, one, I think. This one. Yeah. What yeah. The... Which is the White Horse of Wiltshire. Oh, show Adam the dude the, the dude with the boner. I'm... Okay. We're not going into... Show Adam the dude with the boner. <laughs> Man carving... Boner. <laughs> I don't... I'm not putting boner into it. I don't know what I'm going to get. This yeah, there one. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's like, like goes up to like his fourth rib. You're sick. He's a well endowed man. Okay, um, we're trying to keep this family friendly. That yeah, no. that one, by the way, is 17th century in origin, so mm. way way later. Okay, Uffington horse. Hornists. Uffington horse. It's like prehistoric. The, the horse is like very modern art compared yeah. to the other yeah, ones. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of Celtic in design. So this is as the Celts were oh, starting okay. to make their way over. It's a prehistoric hill figure. It is 110 meters long. Oh, wow. So I was way off. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. It is formed from three foot deep trenches. One more time? So it's 110 meters long. Yeah. And each of the trenches that create it is dug three foot deep into chalky hillside. Why? It's then refilled with crushed white chalk. So it looks like pure white. Yeah. yeah, Pure white symbol. It's in. Do they just like keep the grass with sheep? It's in Uffington. I just didn't get that far into it. I assume sheep is what they would put. That's what so, I would put well, on. Well, that's the other thing. Is like in America, like grass grows like six feet, whereas here it doesn't seem to grow that. <laughs> it just gives you an idea of Johnson grass. Really, how important the horse was to them. Yeah, yeah. But in the late Bronze Age, and they did do some excavation on it and found found enough to show that it was late Bronze Age. I mean, there are a lot of like it's very cool that this is one of the first ones. It's the are, first one. There are a lot of cultures out there that when the horse was introduced to their culture. It blew their yeah. minds. Yeah. So this is this gives you an idea as kind of like how they were recording it, and obviously yeah. it's on uh, cave paintings and everything. Okay. Two species of horse have been identified in England, in East Anglia, dating back to 700,000 BCE. More than zip. Right? Um, dinosaurs are 65 million. 
seven, but still, seven hundred thousand BCE is a long time. A long, long time. Spear damage on a horse's shoulder bone discovered in Boxgrove dated five hundred thousand BCE. You sure it doesn't like run into a tree? I think that's probably if they're saying it, they're probably fairly confident about it. Why? But <laughs> basically, to show that horses have been hunting, uh, humans have been hunting horses forever, forever, as as. Basically, since time so and human time have began. People eating horses is terrible. People eating horses is the worst. Um, unless they're delicious. Okay. So, they stopped eating them because they realized they could ride them. Because, so, no, because they like domesticated them to the point of being pets. That's so why we yeah. don't eat dogs. That's why we don't eat our cows, except for that one. A lot of people think that eating animals that eat meat is very against the, the human thing. So we tend to mm. not eat animals that are carnivorous. Um... Okay, so we've been hunting horses forever. There is evidence of fish, domestication. Fish another fish. To be fair, pigs are carnivorous. It's just people never oh. think of them as being carnivorous. Chickens? Yeah, carnivorous. But people just don't think of them as being carnivorous. I'm saying like... And they're also omnivores versus... Bears. Carnivores. Yep, the other thing. They, the earliest known evidence of horses being domesticated is actually in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Um, where obviously they've still got a huge horse culture anyway. Um, they found that they'd been penning them in. They found horse droppings in pens. So they, at that point, also realized not only were they hunting them, but they were domesticating, mm-hmm. starting to domesticate them. Okay. They found, Mongolia. yeah, they found milk. They found evidence of horse milk in pots. So they were drinking the milk. They were milking them and farming them, you basically. A horse? Yeah. You can milk anything, Greg. <laughs> I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Oh my god. Uh, so meet the parents thing. Oh, meet the meet the fuckers. Oh, Careful. Yeah. Have you not seen that? Yeah, but like I once had to milk a cat. My to brain feed no, its kids. My brain no work. Then Robert De Niro was like, he milked cat and he was like, I can milk anything. He was like, I've got nipples, Greg. Yeah, can yeah. you milk me? Did you do that bit already? I Ooh. just I just did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So at this point we're finding that horses are being both ridden and milked. So basically <laughs> <laughs> okay and those are the only two things they were used for and they were meat and I will say that this is the like, universities I can't wait to be my future this no, was... I was just curious if it was a bit like well I mean were they like they had been thoroughly used and it's a bit like um, like like stewed chickens what do you call them I don't know they didn't have recipe books no not stewed what? but like you know how you have like a laying hen yeah and at some point it stops laying mm-hmm. but it's like not young like it's a bit gamier yeah. than like a, but yeah, yeah it's a bit gamier it, than like a, yeah. a broiler or whatever. Yeah, uh, like is that what they they basically use a horse to its and then they would eat it or would they basically be like them's eating horses, them's riding horses? I don't know, but if we get a time machine, we can go back and ask them. Time machine. Um, I do know that there are two different species of horses that were discovered in East Anglia, so maybe there was an eating horse and a riding 3, horse. Thirty-five hundred BC. But. The reason I was bringing up the research in Kazakhstan, because although it's got nothing to do with really where we are, it was the Universities of Exeter and Bristol that were doing that research. So, yay, University of Exeter. No, and that was published it. on Friday, March 6th in 2009. Okay, so let's talk about back to England. Domestic courses started to be present in Bronze Age England, which is when we're talking about earlier. How did they get here? They've been native to England forever. Okay. America, they were brought over by the Spaniards. Yes. No, they were here. They've been here forever. Otherwise, they evolved we were just here. Trying to ride buffalo. They evolved here. They were forward. originally cloven feeted and then they became single hoofed. Oh. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit of that? And they also had another toe, which is what their. The Jews could eat them. 
So the chestnut, you know the chestnut on the horse's leg? Yeah. For those that don't know horses, they have a weird bony growth that hover over the leg. It used to be another, it used to be their other hoof. Why? Well, it wasn't up there, it was down here, oh, but as they, they evolved. Cloven. Yeah, when they were cloven. So it's actually a piece of yeah. hoof. Yeah, hoof. Yeah. It's a kosher thing, you can eat cloven with animals. That's not why they evolved. <laughs> <laughs> the horses did not evolve to not be cloven hooked. I'm just saying, the horses are smart. They were like, we don't want kosher people eating us. <laughs> I'm going to tell my dad that. I'm going to be like, that That up here, that's the cloven hub. You can eat horse hooked. That's fine. <laughs> Early Bronze Age Britain, around 2000 BCE, they start have started digging up snaffle bits, which is the metal bit that goes in their mouth, made out of... Bronze? Yay! You found a horse skull. I did find a horse. I, I, we were doing archaeology somewhere, and I found a horse, horse we skull. We were in Kent. We were in Kent at the at a Roman bathhouse. Mm-hmm. At a, no, I sorry, a Roman villa, 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 villa. And we oh, stopped villa. in, and they happened to be doing an archaeological dig there for like two weeks, for like the, for the first time in ten years, and the last time in ten years, and. They just uncovered a skull. It was all volunteers. They didn't know if it was a cattle skull or a horse skull. I could help identify them. That was very exciting for me. Isidore was like, that's a horse. That's a horse. <laughs> and they were like, really? And she was just like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you know? And she was like, because this is its eyes and this is its nose. And like, this is where it neighs. And like, it, this it's is too where long it to be any sort of cow, isn't it? Though? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a cow. It was very obvious. <laughs> it's a skull. It's, like, it's like if you've ever looked at a horse no, and a cow next fair, to like, each other. The archaeologist was very nice, but it was one head archaeologist. And then a bunch of students. And then 10, no, like volunteers in their 60s who were like, oh. this is my mom. My wife wanted me to get out of the house and do some exercise. So I'm digging mm. and brushing things. And, and it he was, was a very, hot. very nice guy. And it was hot. And they were under tents. But he was like, it was, he was, it was like, cool. it just looks like a skull. So. They believe that, yeah. They thought it was Roman, didn't they? Or it was Roman. Roman. It was part of, yeah, it was yeah. Roman. So that's very cool. Anyway, so they also found harnesses and chariots and things like that. We're going to talk a lot more about chariots in the Iron Age because that's when they started to become more of a thing. But uh, they found all these bits of evidence dating back 2,000 years. They also started studying their teeth to see where the snaffle bits had worn away at their teeth so they could get more of an hmm. evidence as to how they were actually being used. Where we're getting back to Devon real quick is that the oldest domest- evidence of domesticated horses is on Dartmoor. The also, Dartmoor in England? They've actually found hoof prints. 1500 BC. That's the right word. BCE. Yeah. BCE. 1500 BCE. Uh, they have found hoof prints on Dartmoor. Cool. Um, so they know that the ponies have been on Dartmoor. Nearby? For uh, I didn't actually find... Actually, I tried really hard to look into that because mm-hmm. I wanted to know more information as to whether they'd ever managed to excavate any bones here. Mm-hmm. But again, the acidic soil destroys yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't really find much information other than that they'd found these hoof prints. Yeah. And on the subject of couldn't find a whole lot of information, there's also evidence that horses were being ridden into battle in the late Bronze Age. I found a lot more evidence of that as we went into the Iron Age. But they were certainly being used for raiding at this point, they mm. think. And they think well, it was one of the reasons why the peasants actually had a chance to kind of take down some of the more elites. Right. Because everyone had a horse? Because Or there were more. the elites because, were on horses and easier to get or because, uh, because the peasants had horses. had horses. Well, I always assume that like the um There's no evidence that it was necessarily an elite thing, I guess. The circles with the, the enclosures. You know what I'm talking the about. The the walled enclosures is what you're talking about, right? Not the walled enclosures when it was just like... Oh, yeah. The... Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
the ones we talked about. Talked about it last week. We talked about it two or three weeks ago now. It was before you guys went to Virginia. I'm doing this with my hands. The concentric. The ones with the ditch on one side and the yeah bank on the other. Okay, yeah. Bank enclosure. Yeah. That's like that's what you call it, but it has a it has a name. It's not like a fall. It's not falling. It is a something enclosure. Isn't it in your written notes or yeah? All right. Okay, we'll get back and to that. Edit this. No, we'll get but, back. No. To okay. So basically, like before they I'm had, be, I'm sorry. So then let me let me put it this way: before they had stone walls, yeah, they had pointy spikes coming out of the ditches, yeah, so that like it was even harder to like get into like the encampments. Yes. Um. I like not only for people, but they they assume it right because like, I've seen this on. They on, thought it was more. Team. They thought it was more for animals than for anything else. Right? Yeah, like it was at like the right height to basically hit a horse in the chest. The earlier stuff that we've been talking about, people really weren't an issue. There was no push for resources. No, it was for it was for pinning in animals. This like, was this was an era where we saw the first boom and bust. Mm-hmm. So the boom being the iron, uh, the copper, um, and mm-hmm. the tin being mind so it was a huge boom in wales and around here and then a new technology the iron started to come into play so suddenly england was behind again and there was a huge bust in the economy combined with the change in weather Mm -hmm. england went through a huge depression which is really why all evidence of people disappeared for a while because they weren't creating they weren't building they weren't making pottery they were just trying to survive as you would in an economic downturn yeah it was just another like a dark age for the bronze age yeah Exactly. So did the Iron Age not get to England then, like, for a bit? It sort of sounds like it was... So the Iron Age, England was always a little bit behind in all of these ages, mm-hmm. because generally they were spreading out from Egypt, Mesopotamia. Yeah, where the weather's a bit more. And they were spreading towards England. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Celts coming in and the Iron Age, um, which for those that watch Game of Thrones, now we're on to the Iron Islands. Uh, where we're talking a lot more about seafaring and things like that. Pirates. And Bodicea or Boudicca or... Oh, yeah. We're going to do a whole thing on Bodicea or Boudicca. Or she is. She is a queen. She is another warrior queen. Oh, yes. You are going to be so... Know all your warrior queens by this is done. These women who are already dead. Yeah, because Princess Cord- Queen Cordelia sounds badass. She does. Gwendolyn, even. I would have married the heck out of her. Boudicca's yeah. super cool. Is super her cool. name's dope. Yeah. We talked so, about her in uh, the British History Podcast. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, the one, the other yeah. podcast. That was it's the History of Britain or is it British History? British History Podcast. So it's like it's they start. It's at, this podcast, but like way better. They, no, no, they like they start at <laughs> yeah. zero. Yeah, and they go like well, no, they start like prehistory the yeah. first, and then they basically get to zero and they do the Romans and it takes them thirty hours. No, it takes we're like, like forty episodes. It takes it, them like, like sixty hours to get through the Romans. Cool. It's a re- like it's an in-depth pod. Yeah. For anyone listening, my plan is to scoot through this um, until we get to written history. Until we get to where the house is. Yeah. Until we get to written history. Like if British history podcast is up here, we're sort of having a drink and talking about history down here. We're ha- having. And then my plan is, if we can, is to start looking at other houses and the historical impact that they had. So, guys, if you have a listed building, please let me know because I'd love to hear the stories about your house, and we'd love to get you on. We should reach out to the British History Guy and see if he wants to do like a special on Devon. See if he wants to be drunk enough to come on to a special Devon history. We can put him on the Zoom, and we can do. Yeah. Uh, we can do like. Um... Maybe the coronavirus will be gone tomorrow. We can do. He's awesome. We love him. Okay, so let's really quickly talk about where we are generally at this point, because we are moving into a new era, and we have spent three three episodes talking about the Bronze Age. So where we're at is the Bronze Age, bronze is losing its value. It's no longer the thing. Not surprising. People aren't exporting it in the same way that they were. 
Um, England's going into a bit of a slump. We're riding around on horses, domesticated <laughs> animals, making crops. We're going nuts. <laughs> we lose minds on these. We've horses. domesticated animals. We are farming crops. There's lots of cereals, corn, and wheat being farmed. Really, uh, we've pretty much felled every tree that there is. Really, we're living in what would be considered now a fairly irresponsible era. Um, so it, it's it's not great at this point. People are fighting. There's no there's no health system. There's uh, no looking after the serfs or the people. There's no food. Um, really, it's not <laughs> a great time. Dying. It's not a great. Everyone's <laughs> dying. They found that loads of human feces in this place in East Anglia. Anglia. It's on the ground. I don't like know, but they all have parasites and worms. It was, uh, it was just, it wasn't a great period of time to be living in. No, um, that's terrible. So, sad. yeah, so we're going to go on to the Stone Age, which suddenly gets a bit more interesting Iron again. Age. That's what I meant. <laughs> we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back, back in time because I didn't think that we covered the Stone Age enough. I'm going to go on to the Iron Age and we're going to talk about some of the bigger figures in the Iron Age because I, I think it's interesting to talk about social history and figure history. So like kings, queens people that were really making making waves and also how the average person was living uh, so that's what we're going to do next week um i just wanted to quickly before we finish because i haven't got a story this week um but i wanted to talk to you about the horse a little bit more and talk what to do you, you know about horses i want to talk to you a little bit about what the name what horse has provided the name for because just to give you an idea as to what kind of impact it had You've got the horse chestnut, you've got the horse radish, you've got the horse fly, the horse parsley. Basically, they added the word horse in front of any vegetable parsley? that was kind of rough. Yeah. Okay. Um, Don't act so confused and then just accept it immediately. Uh, horse... Well, no, because I was, I was sort of parsley? like... Parsley? Because I've never heard of horse parsley. I've heard well, of, like, horse chestnut. Yeah. Yeah, horse radish. And I've heard of horse radish. We're growing some right now. Thank Victory Garden. So basically, the what they're saying is the word "horse" meant kind of coarse or unrefined was put in front of stuff. Hmm. Horse Adam. But also, there's a lot of a lot of names of horses. That's twice you've given me the double middle finger tonight. You deserved it. Uh, they've also named a lot of British places after horses. You've Minden, which is a woodland pasture where horses drink, and Horsham, which is By you've the been place, to. Yeah, a bit to Horsham. Which is a Saxon name, which is thought to mean the village where horses are kept. You English people and your on the nose names. <laughs> so Adam, Adam really likes our on the nose names. Yeah, whenever like we go places, the river. yeah. Whenever we go places, he always he always points out how uh, unimaginative. Why is that pub called uh, the, the the mill on the, X, the, X. the river X because it's the mill on the river X, Adam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. Are we done? We are. Oh, that's it. Are you sad? Yeah, I thought I wanted to talk about horses some more. No, you did not. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about horses, so they're going to get folded into. They're going to get. We're going to fold your horse in half. I have a horse. What we should have done. They met him on Instagram today. Did they? Ooh. Yeah. He's a lovely boy. His name is Treebeard. I, that, I named him before I got him. He did. Did he? He knew he wanted to have a horse named Treebeard, and we have a horse named Treebeard, and he's the best horse he's, we've ever had. He, he's the only animal I've ever had like has fit his name before I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, um, no, we're going to fold horses into a lot more, particularly the Romans and things like that. Obviously, so when horse are we going to start on the Bronze Age? Are we starting on that? We finished it. 
Oh, okay. We're well, done. We're on to the Iron Age, homie. We're on to the Iron Age. Or back to the Stone Age, depending on what door wants to do next. <laughs> no, we're on to the Iron Age. We're going to do, we're going to learn about um, some later kings and queens of England. Like how to make iron. It's amazing I... how quickly we as like a people realized how superior iron was to bronze. Oh yeah, it was like in two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're also going to, I think we might do a special on King Arthur. I don't know how everyone feels about that. That's fine. We started on Gwendolyn. Well, but King Arthur's quite a lot later than the this BBC period, TV so. show, or like the the. I like the BBC TV. We're gonna show. do Merlin. Oh, Merlin like was that. one of my favorite shows. That was yeah, a good yeah, show. that's a good show. Um, yeah, but we might get back do a movie. We might do a we might do a breakdown of that, but that would come a little bit later. Um, and yeah, so if you guys like us, raters and reviewers, please, please, please subscribe. Five thousand subscribers, and you get a free dog. Not everybody, just one and a free rock. <laughs> Probably not a dog, mostly just a rock. Um, so part of a dog, part of a rock. We'll sign the rock. Okay. Yeah. So if we, if please, It'll be a lightweight rock. Please, if you like us, go subscribe, rate, and review us. Um, guys, iTunes is the place to do that, if possible. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow us. And if you have any friends who think you think will like this dumb podcast, yeah. let them and know. If, and if you have any ideas, go to the Instagram and for giveaways, because I'm all for doing giveaways. <laughs> we'll give away Ben's golf simulator at 5,000 subscribers. No. No, no, no. We will, like, because there's plenty of stuff around here that is historical that we're sort of like, that's cool, but like, schmeh. Or we'll make a mug. What? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Or we'll make a mug and give them away. We'll make t-shirts. Oh, let's, if anyone wants to caption, caption a mug, we'll put the logo on one side and and a quote from one of the episodes on the other. A five-star review on the back. And by historical stuff, I just meant merch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Yeah, we'll send out, we'll send out merch to people because it's fun. Yeah, so, if anyone is listening wants to submit uh, quotes to go on a merch um, do it and if we pick your quote we will send you that piece of merch for free Yeah. Um, and do it and it'll be a big mug because little mugs are terrible oh god I hate little mugs alright on that note at least 16 ounce mug uh, <laughs> don't make promises we can't keep it'll be a, it'll be a suitable it'll be at least a 40 disguise ounce. as a mug 40 ounce mug <laughs> and on that note um, bye bye have a good bye. evening bye Hi, thank you so much for listening to History Through a House. If you've enjoyed what you have to hear, please go onto iTunes and rate and review us. Also, we love to hear feedback, things that we may have done wrong, stories that you know that are interesting that we should cover, or houses that you know that you think we should cover. You can find us on Instagram at History Through a House Podcast or on Facebook at History Through a House. You can also email us at historythroughahouse at gmail.com. We really want to he- hear your feedback and we're really excited to get to know you. Thank you. Bye.